too. You don't have to record. I can go into the closet too. Good morning, ladies. Let me just pray for us one more time before we begin. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can gather as women to study your word. May you provide us ears to hear and hearts and, um, open to understand your word. May you speak through me, Lord, as I teach, and may we all walk away with the desire to take what we hear and apply it to our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So we are in um, Romans chapter 4, lesson 6. We are a quarter way into the book of Romans and um, about two months away from Christmas. Um, And as we've been studying together, we see that this book is about salvation that God has revealed in Jesus Christ. It's all about the gospel, the good news that Paul wasn't ashamed of and the good news that we shouldn't be ashamed of. Paul proclaimed it as being God's saving power for everyone who believes, declaring that we are made righteous or made right um, by God because of our faith in him. It's nothing of our doing. It's by grace through faith. It's that simple. But we found out there's a problem. Our sin, unrighteousness. We saw how God's holiness can't tolerate unholiness. The wrath of God is seen in the present and will be seen in the future. By sinning, we show that we're personally rejecting God and he eventually will give us over to our own sin. But not only did Paul tell the Gentiles that they are sinful and face God's wrath, but the Jews as well. So basically, sin affects everyone in every area of their life. Last week, Sarah took us through chapter 3, through some heavy bad news. Everyone is under sin. We saw that the law, it can't protect us from God's judgment. For the law, it reveals sin. It can't remove sin. It shows us that we are in much need of salvation. Everyone faces the wrath of God, and we need a merciful and just judge. But then there was the good news, a solution, justification, or being declared right with God. It's a free gift from God to everybody. Again, we can only receive this gift through faith, through Jesus' death. God makes all people righteous by faith apart from the law. So there's no bragging, no boasting, no me, 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 nothing that you have done, nothing that I have done, nothing that the Jews have done. It's not about being obedient to the law, to rules, to commandments. No, it's all his doing, God's doing. It's being justified by faith. It's salvation by grace alone, by faith alone. God himself makes people righteous. Really? Really, Paul, by faith alone? What could be going on in the Jewish minds? The Mosaic law held a very important place in the mind and hearts of the Jews. They went to great lengths to keep the law, to doing good deeds. What is this faith alone? You mean I don't have to try harder? I don't have to work more? I don't have to be better? I don't need to prove myself? I just need to believe? Prove it, Paul. And so Paul decides to prove it. He brings Abraham into the picture. 
proving to them that this justification by faith is nothing new. It's always been this way. It's not what a man does. It's simply by believing. It's not by trying. It's simply by trusting. It's not by doing. It's by what's been done for you. So I've put an outline on this board, and we'll be looking at justification by faith and how it is apart from works, how it's apart from rituals or ceremonies, how it's apart from the law, and then we'll examine this faith of Abraham. So if you um, open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 4, we'll first look at um, verses 1 to 8 and see that justification by faith, it is apart from works. So Romans chapter 4, verses 1 to 8. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. So why choose Abraham as an example? Why talk about a man from the Old Testament? Well, Paul knew that the Jews revered Abraham. Abraham was the father of the Jews, the father figure of Israel. He was highly looked upon and a very important figure in the Old Testament. Abraham was chosen by God, and he was known to be a model of faithfulness to the law. Paul wanted to prove to the Jews that this esteemed man, Abraham, was declared righteous through faith and not by works or rituals or deeds. Boasting about one's accomplishments, one's possessions, achievements, it's all about self, an overflowing of pride. There was nothing that Abraham could boast about because he wasn't justified by his works. He couldn't impress God with his accomplishments or anything that he did himself. Paul quickly turns to see what the scripture says about Abraham. So in verse 3, he quoted Genesis 15, 6. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. In Genesis 12, 1 to 3, God speaks to Abram when he's at the age of 75. And let me read that. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you of you a great nation and... I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And then if we would go on on to verse 4. So Abraham went and as the Lord had told him. Leave my country, leave my extended family and my father's household. A great nation? How can I be made a great nation? I'm 75 years old and childless. But did he question God? No. It says, so Abram went. He obeyed. But 11 years goes by. 
Abraham is now 86. And in Genesis 15, 5 and 6, God is speaking to Abram, and he, being God, and God brought him outside and said, look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, so Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Offspring? As numerous as the stars in the heavens, he's now 86 years old and still has no children. Yet he believed. He was always ready to believe. Simple faith. Faith in God and his promises. Abraham didn't do anything to earn it. It was counted to him, credited to him, given to him freely. Abraham was declared righteous because he simply believed. What grace. We can look at it in the sense of a reward versus a gift. You've taken on a new job in a lawyer's office. You've worked really hard on an assignment, and you've put in 40-plus hours. Friday arrives. It's payday. You get your paycheck. You open it up. You open up that envelope. There it is. Well, look at that. Exactly what you expected. Are you amazed? No. Are you surprised? No. Do you write a thank you note to your boss thanking him for his kindness? No. Your your boss owed this to you. You earned it. You worked hard. You expected it. You can now walk around the office boasting about your big paycheck because of what you did. It's your reward. But Paul is contrasting a system of works and one of belief. If you do everything in works, it all depends on what you have done on you, on me, the sinner. If you do everything that's not of works, but under grace, it all depends what Jesus has done on Jesus, our Savior. God's grace, giving us what we deserve for nothing we have done. God gives us his greatest gift freely salvation in Jesus Christ. Even though we don't deserve it, it's ours if we would only believe. And so Abraham was saved by grace through faith. And now Paul mentions David. David was the greatest Jewish king in the Old Testament. And wanting to show that the Old Testament writings have pointed to faith as well, he then quotes Psalm 32, 1-2a in verses 7 and 8. Let me read that again. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. David talks of God's forgiveness of sins. David, he knew what it meant to be guilty, a, a guilty sinner. He understood sin and the blessing of forgiveness. Paul showed that David agreed with Abraham. Receiving forgiveness was a gift of grace. It wasn't earned by good works. It was given by God. So being forgiven and being declared righteous has earned nothing. Being forgiven and being declared righteous has been given everything freely. Both David and Abraham knew what it was to be justified by faith. It was apart from works. And it's also apart from rituals and ceremonies. Let's now read verses 9 to 12. In this blessing then only, is this blessing then only for the circumcised 
or also for the uncircumcised. For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he was circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So basically, Paul is trying to explain to the Jews that Abraham was justified by faith apart from being circumcised. We read earlier that Paul referred to Genesis 15, 6, which is here in Romans 4, 3, and he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And then when we look later into verse 10, it says it was not after, but before he was circumcised. So Abraham was declared righteous before he was circumcised. In Genesis 17, 10 to 14, let me read to you what it says there. God says, this is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. But this took place 14 years after Abraham had believed God and had been declared righteous in Genesis 15, 6. Circumcision is the seal of the covenant between God and Abraham, a mark that set Abraham and his descendants apart as God's covenant people, a sign to identify them as, and a seal to show that they are justified people of God. Paul goes on to explain that Abraham was the father of the Gentiles, those who weren't circumcised, but he was also the father of the Jews, those who were circumcised. So basically, circumcision would have nothing to do with his justification. But what about God's law? We'll see in this next section that it is apart from the law as well. The Jews thought that you have to work hard other than just believe, that you need to do good deeds to earn your way to please God and get into heaven. Paul made it clear in Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So that the Jews would really understand it, he brings Abraham back into the picture again. So let's read verses 13 to 17. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, 
who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. The promise. What is this promise? It was the promise we read about earlier. God promised Abraham a land to live in, offspring, innumerable descendants, as numerous as the stars in the heavens and a blessing to all the nations. And this was given to him because of his faith, not because um, of him being obedient to the law. Not sure if you noticed, but in these verses, Paul was done with asking them questions. Was it this or was it that? Was it this or was it that? No, he doesn't do that like in the previous verses. He comes right out and just states it like it is. In verses 13 to 15, the promise is based on faith, not the law. Verses 16 to 17, the promise, because it is based on faith, unites everyone together, Jews and Gentiles, into one people of God. Paul could have brought out the fact that the law of Moses was given about 430 years after Abraham. So how could the promise to Abraham have anything to do with the law? But no, here he just states that the promise came through the righteousness that comes by faith. And then in verse 15, he tells us that the law brings wrath. Because of our sinful nature, we can't keep the law. And then we must face face God's wrath. But we read about that in chapter 1. Sin, not only should we be looking at it as doing something wrong, but thinking of it as rejecting God, breaking our relationship with him, breaking that trust, denying his love and care. In Genesis 17.5, we see that God's promise was fulfilled. God says, No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. God would not have been able to keep his promise of Abraham with Abraham if it all depended on keeping the law. The promise comes by faith, not by the law. God's promise of blessing was not only extended to Abraham's descendants, but to all those who believe, Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians. Justification is by faith, apart from works, apart from rituals or ceremonies, apart from the law. And finally, in verses 18 to 25, we're going to examine this faith of Abraham. So let me read that, verses 18 to 25. In hope, he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead, since he was about a 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It would be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. The faith of Abraham. In in, in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the convictions of the conviction of things not seen. Abraham's faith was based on hope, the hope that God had given him through a specific promise, the promise of being the father of many nations. But he was told that 25 years ago, he was almost 100 years old now, and he says he was as good as dead. And Sarah, well, she was 90 and had been barren her entire life. This doesn't seem too hopeful. And honestly, if I was Sarah, I probably would have laughed too. Yet Abraham, he believed. He knew that this was the all-powerful God that he was dealing with, who had made him a promise. And God had the power to fulfill this promise. God could do anything, especially seeing the hopeless physical state of their bodies. His trust in God did not waver. It did not doubt. He knew that God would be faithful to his promise. His faith was firm and it grew strong as he gave glory to God. What amazing faith. And as we see, it mentioned again in verse 22, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And and then we read verses 22 to 25, which I'll read again. Paul has an application for his readers, for all those who believe in the promise of God, for Christians, for us. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. God promised to make Abraham the father of many nations, and it was through faith that he was justified and declared righteous. This same God will declare us righteous if by faith we believe in him who delivered Jesus to die for our sins and raised him back to life for our justification. Abraham is an example that we are invited to follow the beauty, the simplicity, the power of faith. And we too can live in that beautiful, simple, restful faith by faith alone. By faith, we are justified. We are made righteous, made in God's own perfect character, made acceptable to him. Apart from any of our good works, apart from any of our accomplishments, our achievements, apart from any rituals or ceremonies that we feel we need to do, apart from doing good deeds, keeping laws, rules, commandments, apart from our shortcomings of thinking that we're too young, we're too old, we're too sick, we're too poor, hear his promise. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you are saved and you are made right with God. Good works and growth, that will follow verifying that your faith is real. But if you're trying too hard and you're trying hard and by works alone, you're trying to earn your way without faith, that's not even an equation. There's nothing you can do for yourself. Will you trust his promises, putting full trust in Jesus and what he did for you? And if you say you believe, yeah, I do, I do do trust him. Are you holding tight to the promises of God, being fully confident in his word and resting in him? Are you leaning on them, finding strength and hope in his promises? Are you not sure what his promises are? Well, 
Let me just remind you of a few. Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 9.8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Romans 8, 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Psalm 23, verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Psalm 50, um, verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. And let me leave you with this um, verse from Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for Abraham and the example that his life is to us. He simply believed in you, Lord, um, believed in your promises, and, made, and you made him righteous. He was justified by faith alone. Lord, help us to understand this, for this to sink deep into our hearts, knowing that it's not because we need to try harder or do more, but that we need to simply believe, simply trust you. It's all because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross and then rising to life again. Lord, be with us this week as we go forward, as you give us opportunities to reach out to those who may not know you, as we spend quiet times on our own, reflecting on your promises, on your goodness, as we take time to study the next chapter, being affirmed of all that we gain in Christ's death and the peace that we find in him. May we rejoice in um, the hope of our salvation, Lord, and may we be fully confident in your word and fully rest in Jesus. Pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Just one, one more thing, ladies. I'd like you to encourage you to take some time this week to look at your book and not only prepare for next week's lesson, but um, also on page 70. Um, just looking at the final questions from today's study, particularly question, uh, questions 10, 11, and 12, just take some time to summarize your understanding of righteousness by grace through faith. Um, and then finally, question 12, how can you put this insight into practice or let it affect your life this week? So these are great personal reflection questions that I think that we can all do on our own time. And um, if there's something that you're just not understanding, you know, Bev, myself, um, Sarah, Jackie, you know, Jerry, um, any, any 
anybody that would um, be more than willing to just sit down with you and, and uh, to just go over it and help you understand it more. Thank you.